3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Wrestleomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, March 5th, 2023. Tonight is AEW Revolution, live from the Chase Center in San Francisco, California. And t- today, uh, I am joined, as usual, by Jesse Collins and by Chris Gallo. A little bit disappointed in Chris Gallo this morning, though, because he forgot to hire security, as I asked him to. Uh, but nonetheless, we're, we're going to try to make
4: it. Security is expensive, man. Inflation.
3: <clears throat> and, and and Jesse showed up the last minute. I thought he was going to no show because of today's topic. Uh, maybe he thought it was a grifter that I, that I'm uh, uh, trolling people and baiting people. But he ha- he is here. Hello, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Having there an me. audio issue. I apologize. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll uh, while while he's working that out, we can uh, we can get started. Right, now I'm back. Oh, you're back. You're good. Yeah, I don't know what th- that was. Really weird. Okay, but today. We will talk about AEW's AEW's not growing AEW, but it really does. I'm going to show you the data, the facts that AEW is not as hot as it once was. Um, Chris Gull, I hope will at least be, be be heavily moderating and monitoring the chat. Um, if there is there is any unruly participants in the chat, they will their their freedom of speech may be silenced on this private social media platform uh, or if you want to send a, a super chat um we we may we will we will answer your question or or respond to your comment um the the, the pay-per-view is tonight are are you all watching the pay-per-view tonight that is the plan yes i i, I will watch it are you watching it tonight, Golo?
4: so far that's the plan we'll see how it goes what what
3: what is your your medium of choice here? Uh, internationally, look at all these options. If we lived lived in other countries, but uh, there's there's br and traditional and uh, movie theater. Anyone going to a movie theater? I've heard. Of, I've talked to people who have done
5: the movie theater viewing experience before, mm-hmm. um, but I, it's I feel not. Like
4: that's me. a long time in a movie theater.
5: Correct. Yeah. Um, I've heard it can be fun if like you know there's a lot of people there. It's kind of like a little a fun atmosphere to. to to be in and but uh, it's I, these shows are marathons so I, I need to and I'm not one of the people that's like the show's too long it needs to be shorter anything like that but I need to be like within the comfort of my own home with you know everything I need with you know close by any food any drinks have to use the bathroom I just don't want to do that in like a
3: public place what, what time will this show go off the air tonight I'm gonna say 1230 Eastern Time a.m. Mm-hmm. And, and it's school night. Yeah.
5: I would have preferred for the show to be on Saturday for that reason. Just right. especially because I'm, I'm probably going to want to watch the post-show press conference too. So oh that's God. probably that's not right. going to get over. I, I have over. not thought about that until. That's finish. probably not going to get over till like maybe 2 a.m. Yeah. Maybe earlier, maybe later. Because that will be more than an hour. And it will take a good 15 minutes
3: or so for that to get started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow.
5: Uh, and Tony's not going to be like, oh, it's a school night. Got to cut it short. He's, he's going to be going and is this the first this i don't think this is this the first pay-per-view they've ever had that was on like um a school night or a weekday night technically because it seems like if they've had shows on saturdays on normal weekends or if they're having a sunday show it's a like holiday, you know, yeah. all out which is on labor day
3: weekend um revolution last last year was on a sunday and it was okay, march so 6th was- so i don't think that's a holiday on monday yeah. it
4: seems to be the only one that ever, isn't on a holiday weekend revolution every year
3: yeah, I, I would have preferred that. I like the WWE
5: shows when they're on Sunday because I'm way more apt to watch them live. Um, but for an AEW show, the show's going to be running very late into the night, and I'm just more geared up for it. Generally, uh, it's um, it's a lot harder. Someone in the comments says, "Think of the Europeans," and that yes, they have it even worse because of, of that time difference. And I wonder if that impacts you know your sales. Like if you're, I don't know, if I was in Europe and. I'm gonna to have to. It's one thing if I'm staying up to like six a.m. to watch a pay per view on a on a Saturday night, early Sunday morning. It's different if I'm staying up till six a.m. when I have to work on Monday. Well, like that, you know, I don't know how big the pay per view market is out in Europe, but I'm, I'm sure it would hurt. Well, plus,
4: with the show being yeah. on the West Coast, like crowd burnouts less likely to happen than if you were having on the East Coast. So It'll be like, oh, that's, keep going, keep going. Thing. You know, oh, yeah. we got time.
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's a good thing. You wouldn't want the crowd to be. Sh- Short. I mean I, I said this earlier, but I, I, I would do the sixty minute Iron Man match to start the show.
3: I think I think, I think it's gonna be on last though.
5: Yeah, I don't disagree. With I think like the traditional thing would be to oh we've gotta have world title match, you know, main event, whatever. But I just think from a show flow standpoint, um you get that you get that done early. It starts the show with this big huge match. That 60 minutes will breeze by at the start of the show because most of the first 60 minutes of AEW shows tend to breeze by. And then the rest of the card can function without fans thinking, oh, man, okay, we got to save our energy because we've got this marathon at the end of the show. Or I I just I I think the show would flow so much better if that 60-man Ironman matches first. And I don't doubt that, like, if it goes on last, that's going to, you know beat a front in front of a tired crowd and it's going to drag or anything like that. I just think the show flows so much better if that shows the matches on first. And let the Texas death match be last.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, we have predictions. A- anyone want to... I will not. I will refrain from a prediction because I may or may not report the number. Um, prediction for the pay-per-view buys for this event? 110,000. 110,000. I have not added full gear to this chart because I don't Feel like I, I know the number. I guess I should try to find out. Um, Tony s- s- answered a question at the press conference last time. It made it sound like it was 140. I'm not so sure about that. Um, the last two before that, all out and Forbidden Door, were about 140. But yeah. maybe, maybe I can get an update and
4: get some clarity on. I'll this. predict 123. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. So, do we are we all on the same page to begin with here? Do we all accept the premise? The AEW's, be careful with these words here. Fan interest has weakened in I don't know the last year or so. Let's say, yes, yes, Golo.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, I would agree, especially since Triple H took okay. over WWE. Okay, Great, okay. Never... Tony's cons, Chuck's haven't cleared. Then I guess okay. um So
5: wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm getting a I'm getting a push notification for my phone. I actually disagree,
3: brandon You <laughs> <laughs> get a pay- PayPal from uh, yeah. I just got a PayPal notice. Got a Zell transfer. So so just so we set the table here, uh, we'll go through some stats. I'll try to go through this quickly. So just, uh, first of all, Revolution tonight, tickets out. WrestleTix did do an update today. Uh, 8,333 is the number of tickets out for Revolution tonight in San Francisco. How does that compare to other pay-per-views, other you know, ticket sales for other pay-per-views? Well, it's, it's a little bit below. If that ends up being the final number, it'll be very similar to last year's Revolution, which did 8,000... 8, Seven hundred, but all the others are mostly, you know. I mean, most of them have been over ten thousand. Uh, we do have all out last year in Chicago, nine thousand. And if people remember that Revolution show last year was, a, I think, a pretty quick
5: sellout in a very high secondary market. It was in Orlando, price. yeah. It was a smaller venue than the Chase Center, and there is a whole thing where like the the um, the ticket brokers and, and stuff made out like bandits because. They really underestimated interest for
3: sure, like that. Yeah. Um, of late, just Raw in Grand Rapids did nine thousand. SmackDown in Washington DC did twelve thousand six hundred. For some reference, uh, San Francisco had Dynamite and Rampage, which the Dynamite on Wednesday did about three thousand nine hundred, and the Rampage did two thousand nine hundred. Same same venue. No, this was Kyle Palace actually, right? And this. Yeah. There were those, that was both Cow Palace, right? There were two Cow Palace shows, yep. And then this is Chase Center. Um, is Cow Palace just lower capacity?
5: I don't think Cow Palace is that much lower capacity than the Chase Center. It's uh, like 70 years older than the Chase Center. But uh, I believe the buildings are roughly the same size. Chase Center is probably a little bit bigger. Um, Cal, the Cow Palace
3: is in, is it Daly City, California, which is uh, a suburb of Daly, of the Daly City? It's how it's spelled anyway. Daly city. I, I did that in my, in my research. Uh, I was scraping up some data from the, the history.com and trying to look at like, how did Bruno draw compared to everybody else? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think how Dave pronounces it. I, I think he calls it
5: daily city, but I might be, it might be wrong. Um, but anyway, in, in, in the chase centers in like downtown San Francisco. Okay. Um, so I imagine the chase center is probably a little bit more accessible. It's more in the heart of the city as opposed to Daly city or the cow palace, which is,
3: I think out more in the suburbs, Okay. Um, so just looking at year-over-year trends so far in Q1 Dynamite is up going to a lot of new markets it, it is up the average attendance for Dynamite when I say attendance I mean tickets distributed really according to WrestleTix is up 17% through the first two months or so of the first quarter of the year meanwhile Raw is up even more 41% and Smackdown up 35% so the WTV show is doing better than the TV show um Now, we go back a couple quarters here, and we do see uh, that is the exception compared to the last, compared to the two quarter years before that, where Dynamite was down by double digits, and Rampage was, well, at least in averages, was was down by double digits. It actually, in terms of total attendance, because they ran more events, was up in Q4. Um, You have something there? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, TV ratings. Uh, We can look at look at the rankings, and Dynamite, as far as being highly ranked on Wednesday which is going to be really important when we, when we think about its actual business, AEW's actual business and their TV rights value. Dynamite is still performing strongly among other programs in 18 to 49 on Wednesday. The line that we have here, this 13-week moving average, is pretty flat uh rampage has declined. And this is just another look at this. If we break this down to into maybe a clearer view is to average it by quarter, we can get a clearer picture visually of what's happening here. And we do see, you know, especially since I think uh, the Wednesday Night War ends about Q2 2021. And that's where Dynamite starts consistently being at least ranked number five, if not better. And shortly after that, Rampage starts to fall, and even in the last two quarters, down to averaging a rank of 25, whereas before it was in the teens or in the top 10 or so, it has continued to fall in the last two quarters. But Dynamite has been stable, mm-hmm. averaging number four or number three or number two in each quarter the last two years almost. And and that's important to keep in mind when we talk about, like you mentioned, like the actual
5: business of things. I, I was thinking about the rating this week for Dynamite where um, I think they did a .27 like a, a little over eight hundred thousand viewers, yeah. um, and it's like okay, those aren't great numbers by dynamite standards. I think they'd be disappointed if you were just doing a one week sample. I'd be disappointed, but you look at the chart and it's like, all right, well, they're they were third on the night. They were the only two things they were behind were the NBA and they were virtually tied with one of the NBA games for second place in eighteen forty nine. So, is the is the the number itself? Not that, not that awesome. Yeah. But you look at that ranking, it's like, well, you can't really complain that they're bigger than anything else on cable tonight, except basically one NBA game. Um, And so it's all important stuff to keep in mind with, with both Dynamite and Raw and and WWE, WWE is obviously usually number one. So it's less of a concern. But again, like if you're talking, even if WWE were to be down slightly, the fact that they're still number one every week um, for the most part is is a huge thing for their business and a few huge thing for how viable they appeal uh, their appeal is to other broadcasting partners
3: and i would say that's especially the case for dynamite that's definitely the case for dynamite but for rampage we may get into this later on here but, but rampage has continued to fall in its ranking not just its viewership which it has um this is an entire picture of dynamite and rampage over their entire history uh in the demo and total uh the the margin I've liked to trot out this chart quite a bit, is the the margin that WWE Raw or WWE SmackDown have over Dynamite in the demo. This is the entire history since Dynamite's been on the air since October 2019. And SmackDown is, is actually almost back to where it was at the beginning of all of this. Uh, SmackDown has grown in the demo or held up in the demo enough that it its margin is approaching... <laughs> More, it is already more than doubling Dynamite in the demo, but now it's almost 125% greater than Dynamite in the demo, which is – they're almost there, which is where it was back in like early 2020, late 2019 when Dynamite had only been on the air for a few months at that point. Um, if you look at year-over-year trends, Dynamite is down 8% in this quarter to date. Rampage is down 15% in this quarter to date. And we have to go back to Q1 2022 to find a quarter where Dynamite was still posting a positive difference on average year over year. And as we know, Rampage started out strong in Q3 2021 and has continued to to show declines year over year since then. Meanwhile, if you're interested, WWE is doing fairly well, up 5% raw, up 8% smackdown in this quarter to date. Um, The trends now that was total viewership. The demo. Which is what we've been told really matters and does matter to advertisers and is a leading indicator on what the future of TV viewership is gonna be like. Dynamite is down even worse in the demo, as as this metric tends to to be more negative because we've got younger viewers in here. But Dynamite is down twenty-two percent quarter to date. Rampage is down thirty-eight percent quarter to date. And Ron SmackDown and NXT all positive. Raw up twelve percent in the quarter to date. Um so that's TV ratings, which is really the most important thing to this business because the h- biggest piece of its revenue is media. The biggest media deal it has is in the US. That's the viewership we're looking at here. Google Trends, which have been a reliable leading indicator when you look at it over the long course of time in terms of telling you something about how other consumer metrics are going to behave. We've got AEW in February. The month just ended. So we've got February data that's brand new. How exciting. How exciting. Down 33% compared to last year's February. January, the same. Uh, meanwhile, Raw is up 10 or 9% in, in those two months. Um, NXT is up as well. New Japan is way up, doing better than it was uh, in in the year prior where they were dealing with more pandemic restrictions. Um, Impact is down. Stardom is flattening out, it looks like. Noah is way up, thanks to Kijimuto, maybe. Um, I don't know if there's anything else terribly interesting to look at here. Um, Moving on to just look, look at the... You're bunch. just going to gloss over CMLL being up so much? CMLL. Tell me about CMLL. How's
5: it going in Arena Mexico? CMLL's gotten their their stuff together after a pretty miserable last few years. And they're doing, like, tremendous business. I think they're they're selling over 10,000 tickets a lot of nights t- on Friday nights to Arena Mexico. They've got stars actually drawing. Who is they it? they got Mystico. Mystico's back and humming.
3: Mystico? Mystico. Like like the are we talking Sin yeah. Uribe Mystico? Yeah. Okay. well, wow. He's a He's like he's a big big star again. Since his they induction to the Hall
5: of Fame, that that's really uh caused the resurgence for yeah, him. Yeah, I think it put him over the top personally.
3: Um so is what what name got, is he using no, now? He's back being uh Mystico. Okay. He's not like Corvusico or Mystices. No, he's
5: he's not. He I think they f- they finally figured out all of the various legal entrapments they got rid of the other guy that was pretending to
3: be mystico too there's triple a triple a mystico right
5: yeah no okay It's, it's 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 the good old days the glory days are here again okay mystico is back and he's headlining cmll um they've got atlantis jr who they spent a lot of time and effort to kind of make into a new star kind of pushed him before i think a lot of people were ready but he's he's kind of hitting his stride as an antagonist um and, you know, it gets this, the old standbys, you know, Templario, Volador Jr., Ultimo Guerrero, Hechicero. Um, CML is back, baby. Okay, look and look at that Google, look at that Google trend. Look at that January Google trend number. Yeah, up, up 60. 60% year over year,
3: 29 in February. Um, MLW is up a little bit, maybe for being on reels. Um, NWAC- all Japan pro wrestling also back. Yuji Nagata. Yes. Triple crown champion? I'm get, get sidetracked here. But I, I am now, as of yesterday, a stardom world subscriber. I watched my first stardom matches yesterday. I watched the um, Siri versus Julia match from December. Uh, clap crowd. I was not expecting that. But it was, it, was, it was good. But look forward to watching some matches with a uh, non-clap crowd. Um, AEW. Just looking at the AEW trend, um, and it, you know it peaks as you would expect around the, the debut of Punk and the arrival of Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole in September, and then it you know it it uh, it has normalized in the months after that, and then it's really it's a it's a negative slope from there. Um, it's kind of back to the point where it was, and maybe you could say you know 2019, or really this this entire timeline of 2019, 2020, when it was at sort of this same level uh, in terms of web search. This is worldwide. Um, we could look at YouTube, too, for another indicator of popularity and fan interest. And, you know, AEW is doing 50 million YouTube views on its, This is its entire channel, every video uh, per, by month, uh, doing 50 million. But look at this year over year, and it's down a little bit in January. It's down 14% in February. And it has been down since, since August when it was being compared to that, that CM Punk debut month. But it's been down every month since then. Um, pay-per-view... Uh, all out. This is with punk. We don't really have any 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 post punk numbers to look at here, uh, but all out would be down from last from the prior years. All out, which was is the all time high for AEW. Uh, I believe full gear did substantially less this year than the full gear of the of the prior year, and I expect we'll see. You guys have predicted, I should say, that Revolution will not do the reported one hundred and seventy five thousand buys that it did last year. Uh, is it actually down? Is fan interest in AEW actually down? I think the answer is is yes. I mean, you got TV ratings are down. Uh, okay, Dynamite's rank is strong, and that means probably pretty strong TV rights value. But but that can't say that for Rampage. Rampage's rank is way down. Uh, the viewership is down for both Dynamite and for Rampage. Uh, not not shown here. The age the audience has gotten older too over this time. The median age has ticket sales doing better in this quarter. Going to all these new markets, but in these previous quarters where they've been revisiting a lot of markets, attendance has been down. Web search is down. YouTube is down. The answer is yes. Um, and now we'll ask, we will have a discussion. Why? Why is AEW fan interest down? As as we all know, it's probably the blood. It's probably AEW not attracting the casual fan. It's probably all oh, the, the the excuses that you could roll out here is the cord cutting. But wait a minute. I got this last year. It's WrestleMania season. You can't expect AEW to be popular during WWE's strongest season of the year. I, I, I don't think that, that holds up. This is, you know the, Everything is down year over year. Whatever headwind you faced, if there is any from WrestleMania, you could make it an opposite argument and say that should lift all boats. Whatever is happening because of WrestleMania is, is happening this year because of WrestleMania. And things year over year in January and February are down. TV ratings. Web search. YouTube. So why why is why is AEW not as popular with fans as it was a year ago or whatever arbitrary timeline you want to draw? The obvious thing
5: is that CM Punk was a legitimate difference maker within the company and helped I think if AEW was introduced at a certain fan level, like if you look at like quarter four of twenty nineteen or quarter one of twenty twenty, you have that's kind of your core audience, for lack of a better term. And then CM Punk and his presence was able to build a a, a new audience or, or in, increase the amount of viewers that were regularly tuning into the show or buying tickets or buying pay-per-views or searching for it on Google Trends or any of the metrics that we just ran through that have been down since Punk left.
3: And, and Punk's debut Punk is, and is not, right here for people watching on YouTube, this huge right. Rampage de- debut. And Punk, Punk leaves,
5: and not only does he... Like what? Not only is he just like not on the show, but he goes out in this spectacular fireball crash where he buries everyone in the company on the way out. Um, probably it wasn't intentionally meant; supposed to be his exit, but ended up basically being his exit from the sh- from the company for now. And they've never they don't have that person anymore to to drive business forward. And wrestling is always, in a lot of ways, a business that is relying on those singular stars. get over and to be big stars and AEW hasn't been able to replace punk Mm -hmm. and that would be the number one thing if i were to look at a lot of these metrics a lot of them correspond with punk not being around Mm -hmm. um and so that's the obvious just at a first glance i think there's more under the surface of that um but if you were to ask me like What is your one take on that? I think that's the obvious one, correct?
3: Yeah, I I agree, Punk. Um, Maybe Cody's a factor, too. I mean, I don't know. Cody was a big star. I mean, you
5: lose someone who... I don't know if Cody wasn't... You can't, like, necessarily look at Cody's presence and say that he was this huge quarter-hour draw or he was this huge... When Cody was in a big match on pay-per-view, he did super well compared to his peers. But Cody was definitely one of, like, the five biggest stars in the company and certainly had a lot of fans, um, and him leaving and going to WWE, obviously, that's not a good thing that that happened. Like, think, for I AEW. I think Cody has
3: clearly added a lot to WWE. He's, he's been a difference maker, at least in a short, mm-hmm. short period of time here for WWE. And and I mean, we, we're seeing this now since he's been returned from injury. But before his injury, I saw this in quarter hours, too. Now, some of this is just novelty that you see with anybody's debut or return. Right. Um, and they're, they're jumping him into a big storyline and WWE's done a really good
5: job with Cody since he came in, since they presented him as a star, they've hyped him up. They've had him all over their shows when he's, when he's been healthy. Um, I think him missing time in a lot of ways was a blessing because it allowed him to basically skip like eight months of the year. So he could then pop up right in time for a big run from the Royal Rumble into WrestleMania, which is kind of the like, most lucrative time to be. Uh, perceived as a big star before maybe he gets a little
3: bit stale or the novelty wears off but so I I think Cody I, I I don't think Cody would be adding to AEW what he's adding to WWE right now even if you like adjust that for scale whatever you know if you know what I mean there because part of what's making Cody special in WWE right now is 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 the novelty of him returning and and Whatever that story is about, you know, and I don't just mean like the storyline story, but but him coming back and, and seeing what his return to the company is going to be like, I think is, is, is a is a special kind of attraction that is sort of by definition, not the same in AEW.
4: Is right. Cody part of a bigger part of like the goodwill of AEW to wrestling fans wearing off like you have a a, fo- a founder of the company pretty much leaving and it's like, oh, he left. Punk shows up. But then, you know, Punk leaves and and not on good terms and and you know the EVP's are involved in all that and uh uh just overall with the like it's not in ring of honor ring of honor being heavily involved in television i feel like if you were an organic AEW fan everything that got you in there is gone you know and or not every a lot of it i don't but
5: i think i think you're definitely right chris like the the compare, the, the two things cody leaving and then punk not only leaving, but basically killing the yeah. perception of the company on, on his way out. I think both hurt the idea that AEW is the fun, cool place to be,
3: and and he hasn't been like Punk- buried in the booking immediately, and, no. and and at this point, at all, he's been pushed. He's gonna be he's gonna main event WrestleMania. Cody and WWE. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think from it, but from an AEW perspective, like what Gullow was saying, like
5: the, the image of, of AEW being like this cool functioning place where like guys work together and things like that, which was part, part of the fan appeal at first for at least some fans, maybe not all of them, uh, that's gone. And I, I think like Punk's not only like, again, like it's not just Punk no longer being around, but the way Punk exited and the perception hit that it took, that it gave AEW, it it led, led credence to all of the thought that, you know, Tony Khan is, is out of his depth as a, as a leader of a professional wrestling company, that the EVPs are not, you know, on the ball and not doing a good job because Punk called them out and said they weren't, um, all of that. And then, and then never really having a public, thorough explanation of, of, of what happened there and, and what's going on with Punk. And I, you know, Tony might have his reasons for, you know, very valid reasons for not doing that, but the fact is that we never got that i think that impacted business a lot i think that impacted the perception of the company um, i think i think if like we're talking about aw in general i think like and if we're going to talk about them and their relationship with WWE, I think they've lost a PR war with WWE in the sense of like what company appears to be a functioning entity and what company is 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 all over the place. Um, because despite the fact of all of the stuff that's happened with Vince and WWE and leadership in WWE over the last year, it's AW that's the company that's believed to be a mess. It's AW that's got a person running the show that doesn't know what they're doing. It's AW with ineffective, you know, vice presidents um, as opposed to WWE being the company with vice presidents who are being fired for HR violations. Um, all of this stuff plays into, I think the perception of a AEW taking a hit. And that leads to maybe some fans who were sampling the product because of CM Punk fans who were maybe only invested in one or two stars. And maybe those two stars were CM Punk and Cody, those fans now are kind of like, you know what? I'm not going to give this company as much of my time, as much as my, you know, financial investment in them because it is a clown show and all this stuff that I'm hearing on social media, it's kind of become true in a way. And there's plenty of evidence to suggest that Um, part of it, part of this thing, as I would say, part of it is mistakes. AEW has Mm -hmm. made and trends that exist in AEW that are maybe turnoffs to some of these fans. And also part of it is just messaging from whether it's people on social media who are WWE trolls, WWE friendly media uh, partners, people spreading out the message of AEW's inferiority, has has played a role in hurting AEW's image. And I think they've lost that. And I, it's going to take some time to build that back up and, and get it right.
4: Yeah, to add on to what you're saying, and then I want to bring up another point. Add on what you're saying. It's not – and those are the big stories, right? But we're not also talking about the Kingston-Sammy altercation, Andrade, Miro being vocal about his spot, mm-hmm. FTR being very vocal about their spot, like – All things that just aren't good PR. But let me bring up another spot, another thing, too. Obviously, Triple H has taken over creative, and now that's an alternative to people that maybe have gotten burned out from the AEW product, or maybe it's a little stale of them. And I kind of buy into the opinion that a good booker lasts about three years, and then they start to kind of burn out. If you look over rest for Wrestling's history, the best bookers in (laughs) have have three great years, and then... It, it dies down as far as it is. Show Baba, I think, had five. Yeah. Show High Baba was special. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, you know, D- Dusty's Runs, Sam, Kevin Sam Alden, was good for know, decades. Vince Russo. Yeah. Like, right. R- yeah. Right. A lot of these, look,
5: like, most bookers don't last, you know, decades in the in the chair. So, yeah, and and just, I think just that, on that point, effective. I
3: think in this recent history of wrestling, I, th- I, I, I think of these alternative brands that have had success in the last you know, eight years or so. And it's, it's new Japan with, with Gato. And that's when, when would you start the clock there? 2013 or something like that. And I would say mm-hmm. to maybe 18 or 19, that's like a good five-year run. Uh, I would say NXT from f- 2014 to 2018. It's like a good four-year run. Um, maybe AEW from 2019 to 2021 or something like that. It's a good three-year run. Um but Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I I am I am of the belief that I don't have
5: a problem with AEW's booking in a lot of ways. I think that I'm excited for the show tonight. I think a lot of the storylines have been well done to to get us to this point. I think the Hangman Page Oxy storyline is strong. I think the MJF Danielson storyline is strong. I think. The Christian versus Jungle Boy storyline is strong. I am, I, am not, again, I am not of the belief that like the booking is, is a lot worse than it was a year ago or two years ago. I think there's an issue with star power. Um, and okay, is star power a reflection of booking? It is and it isn't. CM Punk really wasn't a big star in AEW in the first place because of Tony Khan's booking. It was because he already was a big star. Um, and it's gonna. it takes a long time for somebody to be... to to build up that kind of star power it takes years of someone being to be a big star to to come across like that and it's possible that it's possible that the wrestling industry could never is never going to make a star as big as cm punk ever again
3: that's a possibility at least in terms of critical reception we have some cage match data that tells you if if this is any kind of indication about how at least hardcore fans are feeling about it i mean dynamite's event ratings In in Q1, are my right here, at an an all-time high. Um, Rampage is close to its high in terms of its average event rating on Cage Match, for what that's worth, but it's not like people are panning these shows generally. And and it's not because of the match quality. I I counted up the number of matches on Dynamite and Rampage that had at least an 8.0 rating. And in Q1 to date, with one more month still to go, it's tied the all time high, which was just in Q three of last year at twelve twelve matches here. So there's a lot of what are being perceived by Cage Match Voters as, as high quality matches. Um, so it's not seemingly the um, you know, the the critical quality of the show. I think people have looked at the numbers
5: going down and have used that in some ways to justify whatever their their criticisms of AEW as being more serious, and I think, and there is some validity to that. Um, but when I think about the show, I am not like, "Man, this show is." I was getting a, I was getting a little bit burned out. I would say towards in Q four last year, I was like, I was getting a little nervous about some of the things that were happening. But I think since twenty twenty three has started, I think the show has been really strong, and obviously that's reflected like in the cage match data you just suggested. But I do think that there is an issue with star power, and I think there is an issue with the broader perception of the company amongst maybe this, this group of 200,000 fans who maybe tune into Dynamite one week and maybe don't. And I think without CM Punk and with the perception of being the company as being disorganized and the perception of the company as being this place that doesn't tell stories and this place where Tony just puts out good matches or whatever kind of thing that people say about it, I think that's hurt them kind of getting that swing audience that exists for them uh, week to week yeah I mean I we saw it, we've seen it we saw it last the last three weeks, right with the, the 200,000 viewers that didn't tune in uh, three weeks ago when the, it was, the NBA was on and the challenge was on and AW did a 0.27 and then two weeks ago, when there was very little competition for Dynamite, a lot more people tuned in 0.35, biggest rating I think of the year, biggest total viewer number of the year, over a million viewers yeah and then when there was a little more competition this week, they went right back down. Um, And so you can see there's a swing audience there that at this point in time, AEW has got to cultivate into more weekly viewers if they want to go back up and they want to reverse some of these negative trends. Um, What will it take? Will it take a really hot storyline? Will it take the return of CM Punk? Um, Is it impossible?
4: I don't don't know. I mean, Punk and versus the Elite would be probably the thing to kind of get business back if that happens. If
5: CM Punk comes back... If CM Punk comes back, that's gonna be big business. Yeah. I would I mean that would get everyone talking. It would help change the perception of like that 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 AEW is this disaster of a company because if they're able to, to to get it to get um CM Punk back on track, um FTR can get in the bin. I don't really care about them at all. <laughs> but CM Punk coming back. Um No like FTR like 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 Dax and his podcast and his You know the the work in this angle where the company the company doesn't like him and he's you know got all these these mutant fans that hate the Young Bucks and this whole percept this whole me versus the company angle like like that's something CM Punk can do it's not something you can do pal just that that, they they come back and they can they can do a trios battle with the Elite that's fine but like I don't think they're like big needle movers in this regard so
3: I I I think there's one thing we can separate here I think there's there's two things happening and they're both happening that that WWE's Momentum has improved. And I should mention, for, we've, we've, we're getting quite, a, a, for us, a big live audience here. And we've I, – I did go back and, and listen to a little bit of our podcast from six months ago where we started to talk about how uh, just after Triple H had taken over, we had about one, one month of, of data behind us. And, and we, we did a, a – I think the title of the, of, the, of the episode is, you know, has the momentum shifted between W and AEW? And I think that is when it happened in August of last year. Um, so that's happening. Still, we're still seeing some some pretty favorable year over year trends for WWE. That's happening. How closely do you really think they're to, the two are related? And and the fact that that AEW has diminished, I think they are they are related. And I think there's mm-hmm. there's things happening independently within both companies. Certainly within certainly within both. Well, certainly WWE is doing better and that's independent of AEW, I guess the only way it's really their their positive momentum has been intertwined with AEW is maybe something like you know getting getting cody and that that being an, an interesting dynamic um but i think there's there's a lot of lost opportunity for a w if w is good if if more people are perceiving w as, as a good product and are satisfied with it there's less need for a w um I you know I I believe one person created created uh, AEW and his last name is not Khan his last name is McMahon I think Vince McMahon created the opportunity that allowed a- the a- the AEW opportunity to exist by creating a by creating a product that caused a lot of fans to be dissatisfied and not just fans talent too so you created a you you primed an audience a talent set uh, to be ready for for somebody else which. It was kind of unlikely that that such a person would exist who had access to a lot of money and access to media distribution deals, which which ended up being Tony Khan. Um, so I do think these, th- these things are intertwined somewhat. I think – but do you think – so f- four years into AEW's existence
5: where they have cultivated a fan base that at one point was watching weekly on a regular basis, um, those fans – there's there's a sizable portion of fans who just abandoned the product on a regular basis because they felt that WWE got better. Um, were there fans who just stopped watching WWE, in like in like the last year of Vince McMahon's reign in creative, and started watching AEW regular, regularly? Because, like, I'm sick of w, WWE. Time to watch AEW. Not watching Ron SmackDown anymore. Watching Dynamite. And then... When Triple H came back into power and AEW wobbled a bit, those same fans were like, All right, uh, I don't need to watch Dynamite anymore because bronze back down a great again. And they flipped they flipped back.
3: And it's not zero sum. It's not necessarily zero sum,
5: right? Right, but that's the general theme. I I, I think I kinda think AEW's fan base uh, maybe I mean the numbers the numbers the numbers it would be coincident it would be very coincidental if AEW goes down and WW goes up. Um and for that to just them to have nothing to do with one another but i, I just my my perception is that what aw does from a product standpoint uh and how it compares to wwe doesn't really shouldn't really
3: impact the audience that they're they're in different, that much. They're in different a, businesses a, wwe is in the entertainment business and aw is in the wrestling yeah, I
5: guess. business I just think AEW and those are two me,
3: co- like completely different philosophies.
5: I think like if you're if you're an AEW fan and you enjoyed what AEW was doing, you wouldn't just stop watching because WWE was was doing a little bit better. You maybe would maybe your time would be divided a little bit, but you would still be interested in AEW if AEW still held your interest. I think AEW not having CM Punk, not having as much star power, and taking the perception hit that that caused um, hurt them. Uh, You know, like would would hurt them, and and it's it's kind of like WWE caught back on. I think you know WWE's business since Triple H back took over is interesting. There's a if you just look at the trends a little bit, it's like there's a huge amount of interest when he takes over right away. It's it's it it starts to drift a little bit back down to normal a few months in, and then the Sammy Bloodline stuff really takes off. You know, Cody and Cody comes back, which helps, and then you're on the road to WrestleMania, and business goes right back up
3: uh Um, smackdown on friday i haven't written a report about it but based on the fast affiliate it looks like the final is going to be around 2.4 million again so so they're they're settled they seem to be settling in at least last month or so around that so it it, it doesn't lend credence to the notion that having samu zane lose at elimination chamber is killing the business or something like that that the audience that was there before elimination chamber is still there um but yeah, I think there's. I think there's. I think that will
5: take months for us to. I think really understand. A lot of it depends on how they handle Sammy over the next like month or two. Okay.
3: So I think um, when we compare WWE and I think there are there are obviously some big differences. One of them with WWE is around WWE's haven't existed and been a dominant brand in pro wrestling for decades, and that's sort of like. Um, it's it it, it, it's a huge advantage for wb in you compare it to like i mean look at look at twitter that has you know it's it's been an incredibly dysfunctional platform for the last six months or so or whatever it is and you've seen these other alternatives try to pop up like mastodon or post news and i don't know that anybody's using them just and and i've thought about it like it Twitter has existed for so long at this point, and it was so much earlier to the game. And is all, even though yes, Twitter only like a fraction of people in the United States are ever really using Twitter. But nonetheless, it has existed for so long and has built up this user base that's really hard to catch up with. And I think there's that's an analogy with with WWE and, and other pro wrestling brands. It's just really hard to get into that market share because they've spent so much time building up that market share. And I think it's a similar conversation that we've had on air as well as off air about wrestlers who, who've just been around for a long time and then are now older wrestlers. And it's so hard to become a, a new star that, that holds a candle to, to these stars who have existed uh, since let's say the cable TV era. Um, so there's things like that. And then there's worldwide distribution and distribution on different forms of media, Um, AEW is still working on its worldwide distribution. They just made a TV deal in Australia. Now, that doesn't explain why popularity has diminished, but it does start to explain why the gap between AEW and WWE is there. And I think not only geography, but in my opinion, two, two events that have helped WWE grow its popularity over the last 10 years had little to do with star power. It had much more to do with streaming distribution in the form of W Network in 2014 and then Peacock in 2021. And the point is, AEW doesn't have any streaming distribution. What
5: are we doing
3: isn't, but isn't this all just arguments
5: for why it's kind of absurd to compare the two companies because WWE has this 50- or 60-year head start in this massive infrastructure, like something like international distribution? I don't think it's absurd to, why, to compare them. It's, it's an explanation for why the gap is is what it is. Right, but when we're talking about the gap, like, like the, at the end of the day, was WWE's thirteen times bigger than AEW, roughly in terms of revenue? On... in
3: terms of revenue, I, th- I think AEW probably made one hundred million dollars and and eight. And right, WWE we don't made we don't million. know.
5: Yeah, we don't know AEW's revenue number, but you know it's a dozen times larger than that. Yeah, so,
3: yeah.
5: um, and, and WWE has this massive head start. I think a huge advantage for like if we're going to talk about let's talk about quarter one this year, or let's talk about January and February, like the year over the year trends, like. You, you showed up earlier, like Dynamite and Rampage are down significantly. Raw and SmackDown are seeing some, some good positive trends year over year. One of the major reasons for that is because WWE has this institutional existence where two things happened for, for WWE this year. Especially Raw. You see Raw's up 12% year over year, quarter one, 2023. This is in mm-hmm. the demo, yeah. Right. Raw, has, Raw had its 30th anniversary show which did a gigantic number. Um, And that had, because they had fans from who, who maybe haven't watched raw in a couple of years tune in. Uh, And wisely WWE used that time to really push a major angle that they were doing. That was starting to get over, which was the bloodline angle with Sammy and and Roman Reigns and, and the Usos. And people are into that. It came across really well on that episode of raw 30 and that, you know, those two point, X amount of million viewers who watched Raw 30, they were like, hey, maybe I'll tune in. Maybe I'll keep watching this. And that's just a massive institutional advantage that like Dynamite's not going to have. They can't have the 30th anniversary of Dynamite and have fans who haven't watched Dynamite in years just tune in out of curiosity. That's just something that is totally outside of AEW's ability to generate. WWE also has the Royal Rumble, uh, a, a, a annual event that, usually, that often has... Outside of WrestleMania, probably the most viewed WWE event on pay-per-view. It's something that a lot of fans who watch one WWE event a year will watch because it's kind of a traditional thing. It's easy to watch without really understanding the product that closely. And what do they do at the Royal Rumble? They heavily push Sammy in the bloodline angle, and they heavily push Cody. Again, two contemporary acts that we're starting to get over within the current existing fan base. And again, I think we've they've seen positive benefits from... Using that time when they were in front of this very large audience that they're normally not in front of, p- pushing regular acts—something they haven't done in the past. Usually, they try to push nostalgia acts, um, and I think that has really helped Raw and SmackDown, and and it's really helped Cody and Sami Zayn and this whole thing come across as a bigger deal and helped really push business forward. And now, Sami can be on house shows, and they're doing more bit—they're bu- doing good business and things like that again, all things that AEW can't do. They don't have the institutional backbone to to bring fans who haven't watched for decades back with special events. And WWE really did a great job capitalizing on that earlier this year. And that's why I was like, if I'm gonna compare like how come WWE has been able to get back up uh year over year trends while AW has fallen off, yeah, there's a lot of explanations for why, but a huge reason is just WWE's playing on a different playing field where they have millions of fans who are out there that used to watch their show that don't, and they could be brought back for certain major things. AW is just not going to have that kind of institutional capacity, and so it makes it very difficult to kind of compare. Like, why is WWE up and AEW's down? It's because their business models and their existence is so entirely different.
3: They're on. They're AEW has a huge advantage in in a lot of ways, just because it has existed as a, as a very highly recognized brand for for so long. Um, so those are things that. I don't know if, if AEW can like ever catch up with WWE on. Certainly they can make progress with international distribution. Certainly they can get distributed on and streaming. And I think they're that if there's a way, I mean I, I do see if CM Punk comes back to W to AEW there being a positive, you know, positive short term results for AEW that way. But I see another way being if they get some sort of streaming distribution that's comparable to The effects that WWE benefited from if they got streaming, that when they got streaming distribution, either through the network or through um, Peacock. And that's it's plausible to see how that would play out. It would be, I guess, an AEW pay per view deal or some sort of deal that puts AEW content on a a meaningful streaming platform that allows it to reach more people. And that's something we talked about when speculating about what's AEW's next media deal going to be. And I've talked about. Maybe Rampage is well-suited for a streaming platform. I guess it still could be. I, I see some real value lost in, in Rampage over the last couple quarters. I mean, just based on the rankings data that we had on the screen a little while ago in terms of you know the, the big lesson from 2018. Uh, you know a, a moment that inspired Tony Khan to start AEW because he saw the huge deal that WWE got for TV rights. The lesson there was that, yes, Raw got a big upgrade, but so did SmackDown, and SmackDown was able to be, to be split off into its own deal, and WWE made a lot more money because of that, because SmackDown was was strengthened. SmackDown was kind of a glorified B-show, you know, if you go back to, like, 2014. Definitely, It definitely was. And and they did this brand split, which I, as a fan, hate, but that doesn't matter. It helps the the, the, the ratings of, of SmackDown, and SmackDown was – it'll be sold separately to Fox, if you had a dynamite that could be sold over here and a, and a rampage that could be sold over there, that's, that's a great financial situation for AEW if you've got two really strong TV brands. But rampage has really fallen from that level of value. We've argued before why I think NXT is probably not a very valuable brand because it doesn't rank that highly. It is doing better lately, but it's still not ranking that highly. So I don't see NXT as being this big TV rights brand. Likewise, I don't, I don't see rampage being the TV rights brand that it Looked like it might have been, in you know, late twenty twenty one or even maybe early twenty twenty two. It has really fallen off in terms of I, value. Yeah, I think if Rampage, if we go back in time. And why has
5: that happened? I think if it's we a go back in time, on distraction. That's prob- that could that's probably a factor. I, I think with Rampage, let's go back in time. Right? Let's go back to. Uh, let's, let's just talk about AW's twenty twenty two. Where for a lot of different reasons, they had issues with star power, uh being all active at once at the same time. So CM Punk, who's the company's biggest star, he he's around for like the first half of 2022, but then he gets injured, he's off TV for a little bit, then he comes back very briefly, you know, to win the title again and all out, but then is gone again. So you lose CM Punk. Um John, when did John Moxley return? Did he? He was out for at least the, f- the first month of like twenty twenty two, or did he come back before then? Keep talking, I'll look it up. Right. So Moxley misses, I think, a little bit of time. The elite Kenny Omega is out for like six January months. January twenty
3: twenty two, he came back from rehab.
5: I, I feel like that sounds about right. Like maybe February, but
3: uh, I'm seeing articles from January twentieth.
5: Okay. So Last um, you know, Kenny Omega misses six months. Cody. Cody leaves the company. So he's gone after March. Um, you know, the young bucks were in st- Kenny were suspended after all out. So there, they missed more time. Um, Hangman was out with an injury. MJF was, was gone from the company for a few months because maybe they were doing an angle who knows. And so Brian, I think Brian Danielson missed time right around the spring and summer, like right around uh, for door. Adam Cole is, is, is been out for a long time. And so if you were to look at uh, AW, like who is their star power? Who are kind of like the big stars that you can put on Rampage each week? When you have a shorter depth of stars at your disposal, then I feel like Tony prioritized Dynamite. So it's like if we only have three or four really big stars, they've all got to be on Dynamite because Dynamite is the A show. And then so Rampage went through this whole phase where it really suffered, where it didn't really feel like you had to tune in. Didn't really feel like anything, any major angles were going to be shot. Didn't really feel like there was going to be any big stars or any big matches that you wanted to see. Um, And so rampage became this show that became easily, you could easily dismiss, which was always a danger because of its time slot, where it was going to be on during a, a time where a lot of people who would be watching are occupied doing something else Friday night at 10 PM. And so it became easy to dismiss rampage. And even as, you know, the, the roster's gotten healthier and they've had more stars at their disposal to put on Rampage. The branding is over. Rampage is a skippable show. And even now, most major angles tend to happen on Dynamite. Like Rampage this week, um, which was a live Rampage. You know, they had the Dustin you know, Dustin Rhodes and Keith Lee and, and Swerve kind of angle is kind of like the main event thing, but that's a mid card angle. And I liked it, but it's a mid card angle. It's not a top star angle. And it's something that you don't really have to tune into. It's not like they did the MJF, Brian Danielson, go home segment for the pay-per-view on rampage. They did it on dynamite. They did the Moxley hangman, go home angle on dynamite, not on rampage. They did the Christian and jungle boy angle. They did that on dynamite, not on rampage. Rampage was this B show that you didn't really have to watch. Um, But I think that time period where they really didn't have any star power created the perception that Rampage was skippable. And it's very difficult to shake that. And unless you just started throwing out, you know, world title matches on Rampage or major blow off to feud matches on Rampage, you're not going to build that perception back up. And right now, I think the priority is still we got to make sure Dynamite is as strong as possible. So I think it's become very difficult for AEW to make rampage feel important and maybe they should have prioritized it more. Like you said, Brandon, maybe the value of having these two strong different brands is worth, you know, dynamite, maybe, maybe being a little less strong because more priorities given to rampage in terms of star power and time to major angles. Maybe that was a better idea, but I think they had to make a choice one way or the other. Um, and they had to choose – they had to choose – they chose Dynamite. They chose to, to beef Dynamite as much as possible, and Rampage has now become this very skippable show. Yeah,
3: in, in terms of rating, it's performing more like shoulder content rather than core content, to to put it in a sort of WWE <clears> financial <throat> reporting terminology. Um, <clears throat> and I, I think there's, there's other issues that could be improved that I don't think will be improved, um, and I think it's 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 largely around Tony's management. In that, I think Ring of Honor has been a, a major distraction for AEW. I think it's contributed to to the decline of Rampage. Um, I don't know how much it's affected the production of, of AEW itself, but it, I think it's contributed to the loss of value in, in Rampage. Um, and I think, like a lot of wrestling companies, you know, they, these wrestling companies become sort of a manifestation of the eccentricities of their chief executive. Um, And and I think when it comes to AW's brand, you know, they still have a strong quality product, at least in ring. Um, Hardcore fans still seem to like it according to these cage match ratings. Uh, I think other things that determine the value or the perception of your brand are communication and, and behavior. And I think in communication, there's, it's okay this is – and in terms of like Tony's messaging and how he hypes the product, sometimes the promise ex- exceeds the performance in terms of uh, – there's another big announcement. Have you heard? There's another big announcement coming up from, from Tony. I think seriously, he's he said that there will be another huge it's, announcement.
5: It's, isn't that par for the course for a promoter though? Like a promoter is never – is always going to be – Everybody is like, doing it, it, so it's Big okay. news. But, <laughs> no, but a, but, a, but a wrestling promoter in a company is always going to be a little bit more enthusiastic about – the pro, about what, what's going to happen then, then what ends up happening. Just in the and context of job.
3: Rampage, Tony, Tony Khan said, mm-hmm. this is not a B-show. I think he corrected someone on a media call who dared to call Rampage a B-show. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's just at, a, at a messaging that, that
5: doesn't true, reflect I, reality to me. Well, at first that was true. Remember Rampage was like the CM Punk show? Remember when CM Punk was like only on Rampage? Like his first yeah, one. It was a wonderful company? fall.
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: So 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 when 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 Tony Khan corrected that reporter, which I, if I remember is, is 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 I think even before Rampage's debut was when he said that that in his mind he was right that you know this we're taking this extremely seriously, but as time goes on, stuff happens. You end up trying to ha- having to choose between dynamite or Rampage, and he chose dynamite.
3: Okay, so that's communication. That's not the stronger point. I think the stronger point is is with behavior of your talent, your leadership, and I think the the all out presser was a huge moment for that to show that. That Tony didn't have strong command and control of his talent. And it's and it's not an easy task to, to manage all of this talent who are very ambitious and have big egos and who have to cooperate with each other in a locker room. And I, th- I think his tweets, too, have been unbecoming of, of a strong leader and a window into maybe some impulsive judgment in terms – just in terms of – his, his tweets towards Ariel Hawani or his tweets towards Big Swole or his tweets about Fox News, and then claiming that there's an army of bots coming after AEW. Um, these are things that have happened over the years, and you know, I think, you know, he, he I think he likes people too. That's why he signed all this talent. He really wants to get everybody in there, and he clearly has like a genuine affinity for pro wrestlers and pro wrestling. And I think that results in these pay per views going as long as they do. And dynamite feeling as rushed as it does to some people. And I don't see any of these problems getting corrected because I think it's really important to Tony to be seen as, you know, booker of the year, as this great promoter, great booker. So I, I mean, I don't see that that ambition changing. So I don't see the results changing in a way that would actually benefit the company.
5: It's very, very similar to your thoughts on WWE. In in what way? In the sense that Vince is the problem, and Vince is never going to go away. Which Vince yeah. maybe has gone away, but but it's the same idea, right? Which is that and AW hard.
3: has improved
5: business yeah, if
3: wise. I, if if I feel like the problem is at the top, I think it. And, and, I, and I, I remember having conversations with people who are like, "Well, the leader always gets too much credit and too much blame." And I think I, did, I I've I've wrestled with that, and I and I still agree with myself that I think in wrestling, at least. And and Chris Gullo, I think this is true for indie wrestling, too. The company is overwhelmingly influenced by its main leader. And whether or not this person is managing people well and the the people who work for that person trusts that person. And not that I don't think people don't – I think talent generally and people who work with Tony Khan like him. But do they – I don't want to say fear him. But but do they like – do they do they trust him as being, like, a wise leader who they take seriously and, you know, who they will listen to? I mean, mm-hmm. that press conference is an extreme example, in, in the opposite. Yeah. Do they have faith in him yeah, faith
5: being a, a, a critical decision maker, and do they have faith in his ability to solve problems?
4: It goes back to the Cody thing. Which is what, How do you like, let I Cody think? walk out a founder of the company? Like, if you're an employee of AEW, you really question that. Like...
3: I mean, I think that I mean, that, that case in particular, I, we don't. They they have both apparently yeah. sworn to secrecy with each other. I don't know what the whole story is there, and I, I think certainly in hindsight, Cody made the right yeah, decision. Yeah, but if
4: you're just an employee that doesn't know the story, and you're like, "Wow, one of the," I mean, if you work for a company and one of the top, you know, executives leaves, people start to talk, and that's at any company in any type of field, you know. Well,
5: maybe some people know
4: Cody why Cody left. Well, it's a mystery to
5: us, but I don't know. The um, do you think that AEW had and Tony Khan are also held to a different standard than WWE as an upstart brand to
3: to who as to, 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 it, to people like us or like to the people who, who
5: not just the people like us, them? but to the, well, you talk about like the public perception of Tony Khan, but right? That I, I think does lead of, into of, Khan, his, his 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 yeah. conduct on social media, his his public, you know, his him, He's hyping up things too much. Yeah. Do you think that's a standard that maybe WWE isn't held to as closely because WWE is such an established brand and such an established product, and people already kind of assume? Like, I, I get the sense that, that 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 everyone assumes that WWE is just full of BS all the time, anyway. So the standard isn't as high. But Tony Khan gives off the impression of like trying to be like not a carny and being less more trustworthy than your typical traditional pro wrestling promoter and he's tries to be as transparent. He gives off the, he gives off the impression that he's trying to be as transparent as possible. So there's this idea that Tony should be, is held to uh, like a higher standard of, of maybe both ma- like management and
0: maybe, um, maybe, transparency.
5: It's,
3: maybe it's just like any relationship though. If you, I mean, I don't, I haven't given a lot of thought. So they are there examples of things that W has done recently that like if, oh boy, if, if AEW did that, it would be a bigger deal. yes maybe yes and maybe if let's assume that's true yeah i suppose if you expect your you know i have a relationship with someone here who who i i I know is going to say misleading and and weird things and maybe i have a better relationship with somebody over there but when that but regardless when that relationship starts to deteriorate that's noteworthy i guess right does that answer the, the that address the the question
5: I think I think that WWE is able to. I think AEW has is hit with because of different perception aspects of it, and definitely part of it is a is a WWE friendly media environment. Um, that 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 WWE is able to to skate on things that that Tony isn't. I think if AEW had two, let's say, their head of talent relations and another vice president were gone from the company due to in John Laurinaitis's case sexual misconduct allegations Mm -hmm. and in Kimball's case, HR violations, that there'd be a lot more questions asked about that within AEW's backstage environment than there is in WWE, which appears to be about none. Um, For one, I think if Tony Khan um, had to, to step down from his position amongst numerous uh, allegations and that he had paid women millions of dollars for alleged sexual misconduct that whoever were to inherit Tony Khan's position would be asked a lot more about it than Triple H would. You, you
3: wouldn't be tweeting, thank you, Tony Khan, if that happened?
5: No. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, like, there's there's definitely, I think, a different standard in play. And part of that is because Tony has chosen to make himself a very public figure when it comes to promoting everything and, and, do, and doing all that. Um, and it's very media friendly and will we'll do anyone's show if they ask him to for the most part. Uh, in a way where WWE is way more carefully calculated in the, in the media that they work with. And the Triple H is very calculated in the interviews he does, which are
3: mostly only with paid employees. Um the con is that very ha- well connected. They would argue, at least WWE would argue perhaps that some of that just has to do with the stature of our brands. We're such a big brand and we're so in demand that we have to be more selective. We're, uh, he, can, That kid can do whatever he wants. I don't care what they argue. I'm just saying this is the reality but, of, and, and maybe of the perception of things. There's some truth to that, I guess that, they would be that more. Tony selective. has had to hu- and, and and Tony has had to
5: hustle because he doesn't have the established brand, which again goes back to the institutional differences between the company and the legacies of the two respective companies and why it's hard to compare. Um, I, 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 and I, and I don't disagree with you at all when it, talk, when it comes to like some of maybe the damage that Tony has done to the company, because he has been so active and out in front and visible in all of this. And some of the decisions he's made and some of the, the tweets that he's made, the Ariel Hawani tweet like like I don't disagree with Tony, but right. I wouldn't have made that tweet if I was Tony. Um, just because Ariel has no problem rolling in the muck, so I wouldn't go down there and
3: join him. Um, and you notice all, although all, all think, these tweets have hashtag AEW Rampage or something like that. Right, I think that would right. be his if you go defense. back to the
5: swole, right. If you go back to the Swole tweet, one of the major problems with the Swole tweet was that he like tagged a bunch of wrestlers in the tweet.
4: Uh, they sent us full which I mean there was a good run where like if it was Friday uh, afternoon you knew he we were, he was gonna say something very interesting on Twitter just to promote rampage Um, so, so I don't yeah, we have a ton of super chats here. related to this topic, though. So, all right, I, uh, we, we will, we will. Yeah, do we'll them. just clear them down here. Um, so Jizzle asks, uh, well, says FTR were quarter hour draws, and the elite weren't. So take that. <laughs> um, uh, we have here MJ. Let's see here. Uh, when you guys are kind of talking about injuries and stuff, if Josh Allen got hurt and the Bills lost a few games, would you question if the Bills sucked, or assume they'll be back with a top star? healthy
3: so, Chris Gull I think that's a, that's that's
4: yeah I mean no there. I mean I would think they would suck in that moment that Josh Allen wasn't the quarterback but I would I would have optimism about the future if that's what he's getting can,
3: at. can someone d- decode MJ what what is the analogy that he's trying to get he's at
5: talking here? about like CM Punk is isn't around yeah. AW so why are we questioning the CM Punk ratings you know why are we questioning Dynamite's ratings being bad or worse when CM Punk isn't around, is, because- is CM Punk as
3: important to AEW as Josh Allen is to the Bills?
5: It's a different. It's a different thing because we're talking about
4: a competitive
3: sport. But they are the most important players yes, on but the I wouldn't teams, say
4: so because yes, AEW took a drop without Punk. But if Josh Allen were to get hurt mm-hmm. and miss the whole season, the Bills probably wouldn't even make the playoffs.
5: Right, and well, will, the big thing is is that in wrestling, you in 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 football, the Bills would have very limited ability to. Re- re- replace Josh Allen. They'd have to find a, they'd have to go with a backup who is obviously going to be worse, significantly worse than one of the best quarterbacks in the league, as opposed to in wrestling, AEW has theoretically had, you know, eight months to create someone and to create something that's a hot angle that can kind of replace the value CM Punk brought. And they haven't been able to do that. Um, It's obviously something that's very difficult to do. So I don't know how much you can, you could blame AEW for not just, creating a new star and I think some people want that like some people think that MJF should like replace CM Punk as a, as a major star and that the fact that MJF as the champion and the center of the show hasn't delivered the same amount of viewership as, as CM Punk as the center of the show is, is seen as like a really big you know mishap for AEW and a terrible sign for MJF as like a future star um, but I think it's 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 that's that's the, I think the difference is that I, I, A.W. has some sort of creative ability yeah. to replace Josh Allen in are they're, they're Josh Allen like figure as opposed to the Bills who are just like there's no real way to st- like create a quarterback who's going to be as good as Josh Allen.
3: I think I agree with you guys, but I want to hear JR takes G, Jim Ross's take first.
4: <laughs> um, continuing on with MJ talking about this uh, in Super Chats as a GM, Tony bet on an aging retired star, but bet had big upside with a risk. Uh risk into reality punk has been hurt. maybe it's that simple.
3: I think that is perhaps the biggest issue is is punk
4: punk's mm-hmm. absence and he just follows up with that is punk if punk returns, numbers get good. remember this super chat
5: like that's a good like that's a a bold prediction
4: <laughs> <laughs> that, a big, i do
5: I do think if the biggest star came back uh, oh. it, that 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 ratings would go up.
4: And then uh, Sigizzle with another super chat, okay. uh, TK is horrible at capitalizing on stars. Jade, Ricky, Wardlow, OC, even Punk and Brian for their first few months, number one problem. So he's pointing to the booking of Tony Khan as the issue with fan interest decreasing.
5: Most of those people aren't stars, so I would start with that. The Brian Danielson point is is fair. I think Danielson came in and he had that big match with Kenny Omega, um, and then he kind of just became like an upper mid card guy. He didn't feel like he was really Brian Danielson mega star making the jump to, to AEW. Um, so I think there is some validity to that, and some people would point to maybe the Danielson MJF program not being as hot as it could have been because Danielson Danielson spent kind of a long time not being presented as like this super uber special guy. I think punk was presented like that. And that's why he was a difference maker for, for business. Okay.
4: Have we been through them all? Thank you. We just got got a super chat, but it's just a general, uh, thanking us of the job we do. So we could say that to the end. So,
3: okay. Um, we will spend some time, uh, talking about the potential W sale. Uh, we did talk about this a little bit for, uh, for subscribers on the Patreon on Thursday. I did a show with Chris Ely, uh, who's who's l- looking to take Chris Cole's job, I think, uh, on, on, on Thursday for the, the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Russellnomics, where you can also get all my weekly TV ratings reports, the quarter hour reports, the Thursday Russellnomics 30 podcast that we do just for subscribers, the viewership spreadsheet slides that we're going through right now. Um, we did talk about the news coming out of the Endeavor earnings call. Um, there's a clip on on social media that I've put out. So... I spent some time on the phone with with, with one MJ from NJ, uh, who knows some things about finance that I don't understand. So let's let's talk first about what was actually said. And I, I do have this 30-second clip ready that I might as well play now. So let, let's listen here to Ari Emanuel. This is on February 28th. What, what day of the week was that? That was Tuesday. So this is Tuesday evening. This is Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor, talking about a potential WWE sale in Q&A.
0: As it relates to the WWE, um, it's an unbelievable product. Vince is an unbelievable, you know, created a great business. Uh, we've had a long-standing relationship with them uh, over two decades. Uh, we're doing, as I indicated, on-location business with him, endeavor streaming business with him. Um, so, you know, we, you know, his business is really valuable. Um, and, but we're not going to do anything as it relates to kind of changing our leverage position right now.
3: Okay. So, my initial reaction to that is wow, sounds like he's not interested in buying and Endeavor would probably have to do some sort of merger where they would split their company apart and put one part of it into together with WWE. Um I have a more nuanced reading of that. But do you have any thoughts on that before we get get going on that, Jesse?
5: What are what are some of Do you know like what are Endeavor's business relationship with WWE currently? Like he talks about like
3: streaming on location, streaming deals. Like what what is he talking about? So on location is a, it's a travel package. So you could go, you could have gone to Montreal and you could have bought a travel package to go to the event and taken care of your, your hotel and travel Um, that, that there's a press release when that deal was announced like a year ago or something streaming. So the W network where it is still their own direct to consumer network internationally is operated that back end is operated by Endeavor. Um, so those are the business relationships that W currently does have with Endeavor. Um, the big the big thing with me is like, is Ari Emanuel is he
5: is he lying? Is he bluffing? Is he saying, oh, you know, we don't really have that much interest in WWE
3: and attempt to get the price down. He's trying to not go to jail, as he explicitly said in his comment, which we did not play there. But, he, but a moment before, before that, that, that clip, he's responding to an analyst question who's asking about WWE. And he begins his response by saying, well, one is we don't – unless you want me to go to jail, we don't talk about our M&A practices. Um, right. I think
5: if we just talk
3: about like Endeavor
5: kind of – at this point, like this point, if you're a WWE fan, like you got to – you should be praying that Endeavor buys
3: this company. Otherwise, the Saudis will buy it. Otherwise, the Saudis will
5: buy it or
3: something is going to happen regarding Vince. Well, I I think – are you under the impression that WWE has to do a transaction?
5: I asked you this a couple weeks ago. Um, It would be very interesting, right, if WWE doesn't do a transaction. I think think that is the likeliest outcome. Well, let's – the thing about if W say 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 WWE doesn't get an offer, Vince doesn't want an offer. He doesn't. There's no buyers. Endeavor doesn't want it. He can't sell the Saudis. Saudis don't want it, or whatever reason. You know, Comcast isn't going to buy it. Liberty Media isn't going to buy it. Netflix isn't going to buy it. What are Vince? Does Vince have to sell the company? Well, no. no. To me, be the shareholder lawsuits. That'll, that'll yeah, the concerning factor with, is Vince comes back and he says, "I'm selling the company," <laughs> and. Make that a, a an audio drop. <laughs> Do it. Uh, Vince comes back and he he announces he's going to sell, sell the company and the stock price goes up. Oh my God, Vince is back and he's selling the company. Nick Khan's on CNBC and he's like, yeah, you know, four, in four months we'll have the sale done. Like, I think he said three they're, months. They're sale, 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 sale. And the, the stock price has gone significantly up, almost entirely related to speculation regarding to the sale. So if the sale doesn't happen are there a lot of shareholder lawsuits related to the sale not happening? And that stock price is probably going to go down significantly because if there's no real buyer. So what happens? Does that mean WWE does W if Endeavor doesn't want to buy the company and none of these other, uh,
3: I mean, I don't think shareholder lawsuits are an existential threat or a, a, like a, a prohibitive factor. They're not good. You don't want them, but I think, W could endure a, a shareholder lawsuit. I think so. Not an ex – and I like. I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but I mean they've they've settled two shareholder lawsuits in the recent past in 2014 because of their because of the network not doing I guess as well as they had hoped, and in 2018 because of the the Mina TV rights deal not happening, and yeah. they they're still alive. Um, and
5: there's a few. Are there – do they settle those yet? Aren't there a few outstanding suits that have been filed recently yes. in regards to – those? Defenses? I mean if, if they get
3: settled, we're, the, the likeliest outcome I, I think let, – let's say W doesn't sell. The likeliest outcome is I think that all that stuff gets put into one class and maybe it gets settled. Maybe it gets defeated. I don't know. But it would probably not be good for, no. for WWE. You don't never want to um, be sued. and You never want to have to settle. But WWE right. does have insurance to, to cover things like this, but this would be a big, this
5: would be a big deal, right? If they just, they inflated the stock price and then ultimately didn't decide to sell. And that all of these buyers that they hinted at being interested, uh, are not interested in it.
3: Their their Um, defense. And I think it's legitimate was they've never suggested that there was interest. They have said clearly that it's possible that no transaction happens. They've been upfront about that. So that's something that they've, they have said publicly,
5: um, so maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe they don't sell. So. But if I'm, I think Endeavor. If, if if we take Ari Emanuel's comments at face value, which maybe we shouldn't, but let's say we do, who does that lead to buy WWE? The Saudis doesn't seem like doesn't seem like it's going to be Comcast. No idea. Things like Disney or Netflix buying them seem pie in the sky ideas that were thrown out on articles that
3: were just looking for any potential buyer and not necessarily maybe understanding and, and, and just for. just given the the ability to put a cap on on live rights value like WWE is is financially interesting but i don't think it's a brand match for any of these companies mm-hmm. i don't think they want to be wholly responsible for this high-risk company to their brand does right right so um a lot of these prospective buyers are gone or off the table
5: does that lead just the saudis and is if yes. the is the option
3: or a team of people principally if i'm involving the Saudis.
5: Right, and and if the option is we're going to get sued by all of our shareholders unless I sell to the Saudis, does that play a role? Um, Maybe. And if the Saudis know that they're the only people that can buy the company, are they going to pay as big of a price? I mean, if there's no bidding war for WWE, that obviously hurts the prospective price. I guess the idea is the Saudis have unlimited money so they don't care if they pay for a, a highly inflated value for the company. But... If I was the Saudis, I'd be like, wait, why would I spend nine billion dollars on the if company? Nine billion
3: is truly his asking price, as was reported in Bloomberg about a week mm-hmm. or so ago. <sighs> and, and and if the Saudis are the are the key real bidder that's left, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to pay nine billion. Now, do they do they look at it and say, Well, we're so interested, we value the the public relations benefit of owning a, an American entertainment company so much that we're willing to to pay that much maybe they will who knows but uh yeah it doesn't make a it, there there's certainly no competition here happening mm-hmm. between some some other bidder apparently now but but maybe let's let's take a closer look at at exactly what is being said here because there's more here that we didn't play i don't want to play a, a, a long clip here but there's comments from from the cfo as well but anyway i just want to highlight a few things that are said here and see if we can unpack some meaning um Ari manual says Vince McMahon's business is really valuable, but we are not going to do anything as it relates to kind of changing our leverage position. What is he talking about? Leverage position. What is he like? Is he using a car jack here? What is he talking about there? I'm not sure. He's talking about debt. So Endeavor, as people know, is, is the parent company of UFC. UFC was bought for how much, like $4 billion or something like that back in, what was it? 2015, whatever year it was. And because of that, Endeavor is still paying off that debt, so this is from Endeavor IR. They still owe 5.2 billion dollars in in all of their debt, and and a huge piece of that is is the UFC obligation. Um, so a lot of what they're talking about here in in this comment is saying, hey, look, we we know we have a big debt that we're working on paying off. We are not going to take on more debt. Just, and I I think what Ari and and the CFO are trying to say here is, look, if we want to reassure investors. We're not going to take on more debt, first and foremost. Okay, W's great. We have a great you know relationship with him. Vince has created something super valuable. Blah blah blah. blah. Okay, but this this debt, we're not going to add to it. Okay, because if if we signal a message that we're going to add to our debt, that's probably not good for their stock price. Um, so what else did they say here? He says. He throws it to the CFO Jason Lublin, who says we have seven hundred fifty million dollars of cash on the balance sheet. Uh, we have the ability to keep executing on m a we 're an acquisitive company with using our cash and our public equity as deal closing currency so I think what I think this there's room for this to mean is that maybe um, they can find somebody to to partner with that is they would have to take their stock and use it to raise money, basically say, okay, we're going to issue additional shares to our stock. In the short term, that will not be good for our investors. That will dilute the value of our stock. But if we need to raise, you know, let's say like $3 billion to pay the premium on, on some sort of merger with WWE, we can issue a bunch of shares in, in Endeavor, issue them to private investors, such as sovereign wealth, Saudi Arabia, and then get get them involved in this and maybe we can make a deal here that along with our own, you know, moderate cash contribution will not put us further into debt. Does this all make sense? Uh, I think there's room for that in what they're saying yeah. here. While and, obviously and this is something
5: careful. we've known about since like WWE first announced they were looking for a sale and Endeavor was always a likely potential buyer was that the size of Endeavor's ability to purchase a company like WWE is very different than like a Comcast right. or Amazon right. or one of these true gigantic companies that Endeavor would be having to take on someone to help pay for the acquisition. Um, there's also a couple of other factors, I think, in regarding to the WWE sale. The first would be higher interest rates. Yeah. But the second would be definitely in the last two months or so, I've seen a just across the board when it comes to talking about television is the, the more uncertainty about the long-term future of live TV rights and live sports TV rights. It's something that I think if people have been following kind of the collapse of a lot of the regional sports networks that have taken place recently, um, Diamond sports. Yep. There's concern about the NBA. Valley sports. That uh, there's concern. I know in the NBA circles about, how valuable is the NBA really with, because the NBA is negotiating its upcoming TV rights <clears throat> very soon. And so there's, there, it seems to be as uh, opposed to like a year ago, people are a little bit less bullish on the market for live TV rights. Yep. And that's really what you're purchasing. If you're w, if you're going to buy them, I mean, look at the pac 12, your endeavor, it's like the
4: slowest sale process we've ever seen for, the, for sports mm-hmm. college rights.
5: Yeah. And if you're endeavor, dever like, if, if Comcast were to buy WWE, it kind of it makes some sense because they would be able to, that they would be interested in then airing um, WWE on their networks, NBC, on USA, right. on Peacock. As opposed to Endeavor, you're buying WWE largely because you're hoping you can make a lot of money off of the rights. You can sell the rights to NBCU or ESPN or, or anyone else
3: or, or another streaming partner. there would be a strong service. argument that a. A merged endeavor, and and what would probably happen is some of endeavor would go independent, some of it would go into WWE. But but that endeavor with WWE would with, with its expert with endeavor's expertise in making deals that they would be able to make even better deals than otherwise. Not to mention other synergies and and ways they could do better business. But if the market is changing so much, where the kind of I don't want to say the bubble is going to burst, but the yeah. bubble's getting
5: not going to grow as rapidly as it had been. That maybe throws some more uncertainty to ponying up $9 billion to purchase WWE. Yes. Because um, that, what's that $9 billion price? A lot of that's got to be baked into speculation that the television rights are going to continue to increase a lot.
3: In the the, the market, market cap, though, like the, 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 what, what the stock price is valued at right now, which is like $83, that's a market cap of $6.2 billion. So he's asking for something well over what the stock market is currently valuing it at. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is a Vince McMahon premium. This is not a this is not a Wall Street premium. This is the value right. of all shares right now six point two. He wants nine, and and someone would only pay
5: nine. Really, I mean, the Saudis for a different reason, but but someone else would only pay nine if they felt confident that they were going to make a lot of money on escalating TV rights fees. And I think, like, if we're talking ten, fifteen, twenty years from now, who nobody knows what that's going to look like. Right. Um, and I think this this year twenty twenty three has been kind of a wake-up call saying like, maybe this thing isn't going to last forever. Maybe maybe we're not going to get two and a half times our rights fees every time. And we're we're reaching kind of a, a new phase of the streaming wars and streaming versus cable and linear versus nonlinear television and all of that stuff. And no one is quite certain um, how that's going to play out. So there would be a gamble to speculate on a cost that large for a company where a bulk of its revenue is coming from live television.
3: I mean... That that has been suspected and speculated on for years, but we are approaching a a a, a I think a, a, what, what seems like seems to me like a real genuine hard situation where is streaming going to be as profitable as live as linear TV was for live sports? And I think the the biggest sports properties are the likeliest to be safe here. The NFL, the NBA. It's the further down you get, the more uncertain i think it is and WWE is somewhere in the middle
4: down there it's interesting to see what role netflix is going to play now now that they did their first ever live. how stream. was the chris rock show? i've been watching i was on the road doing a wrestling show but uh it didn't get great reviews <laughs> um but uh uh i'm curious yeah. to see
5: like how it did from like an yeah. operation standpoint like did it was the, the stream was good like didn't it crash yeah. a lot of the complaints i saw like, was ah, just about
4: the special great. itself um but uh it'll be interesting to see if they actually delve into more live content and obviously sports would probably be like the big factor in that. Uh we do have a, a super chat regarding the sales talk, which kind of is, uh, is so and this is from Miles, so which probably the largest super chat we've ever had. Uh so is WWE getting sold or is this a bunch of hooks? Uh and you know, just kind to add to that, is this just Vince McMahon's crazy inflated price? Just to say, hey, I tried. Um can, can someone reach out to Vince and ask him? Because he's the only
3: one who yeah, knows. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the only well, we can talk to people who are familiar with his thinking. I think I don't know if anybody is truly familiar with his thinking, um, especially now. Familiar enough. He's had fam- six. Yeah, familiar enough to be confident in what what the actual objective or conditions are here.
5: I think that Vince. Just me. This is my personal opinion. I think that Vince announced that. He was coming back to sell the company as a way to to get back into some authoritative position within WWE um, with the kind of incentive for investors and stockholders to be that they'll tolerate his presence. Yeah.
3: And, and it creates a media presence, story too that's a distraction right. from, he's back from sexual misconduct allegations. And the um, his presence and what that
5: brings, the incentive is that he is – Going to theoretically make them a lot of money when
3: he sells the company. Yeah, and and, uh, and to be clear here, that the the stock price did move up in in response to the news that he's coming back to sell the company. I mean, it went to, it went up to as high as ninety. It's back down to eighty three, but it's still higher than it was at the end of the year before it was clear that he was coming back. So <laughs> there there is baked in, just for people who may not be familiar, the, there is baked into the stock already speculation and hope that this company will sell. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've written I don't think this is an appropriate price for the stock 80, even $84, eighty four dollars eighty three and a half where it's at right now I think I'm, I think there's there's more uncertainty about a sale than than the stock mark than the stock price reflects and as I said earlier my my the most likely outcome to me is there will be no sale to get to get to Allison's question
5: back to Allison's question I think. I think Vince – so Vince used that incentive to get back in power. Is he seriously considering a sale or is this all like a big ruse? Um, I think in his mind, he would consider a, set, a sale that would be very good for him in his terms, which would probably be a very big offer that would also allow him to be in power. I think he's open to that. Um, but is he is he really going to just sell the company because that was his big idea was if – we, if we take everything Vince has said at face value – It's that Vince retired from the company because he was just felt like he was too old. Yeah. And then one day he was sitting around six months after he retired and said, you know what? I got to sell the company. It's time to sell. You got to do the best thing for shareholders. he's come back. Yep. And he's come back and he's, he's like, you know what guys just, you know, if you elect me chairman of the board, I'll I'll get done with the sale. Don't worry. And so if we take Vince solely at face value, all he's doing is just he's selling the company. He's not involved in anything else. He just he wants to sell the company for, for whatever reason. He's old. He doesn't really want to work anymore, but he wants to sell the company. Um But how but we but we kind of know that there's probably other things in play. He probably wants more authority within the company, he wants more creative decision making and things like that. So I think part of him coming back to to, to to announce a sale was because he wanted more power in the company. And the only way to really do that was to kind of say, well, I'm coming back, but don't worry. All you investors are going to make a lot of money. Yeah, um, I, th- I think, but I, I do think in his mind he's open to the right kind of sale. Whether that right kind of sale would ever happen uh, is, is is a big question, and whether he even anticipates that right kind of sale to happen
3: is a different question. And, and what's a big bargaining chip here is does if if somebody buys the company or if there's some sort of transaction, how many shares does Vince have left? How much control does he have? What what agreements are made? Is is about how much authority and power he can have in the company. Can he get a Dana White deal where he's allowed to be in charge of the company? Or does if it's a major media company, they're probably going to want him out. And that's, I think, at least one reason why nobody wants to do it. Um, MJ is reminding us in the chat that they
5: announced a strategic review. Thank you. Strategic alternatives an review. alternative For alternatives of the company. But, the, but I think they've come out and, said, and Nick Khan has certainly said that they're selling. Or they're exploring a sale. It's synonymous. Yeah.
4: Speaking yeah. of possible buyers... oh, but, oh I'm, just, I'm sorry.
5: No, I was no, just I mean, going
4: to segue do just one more su- super chat. Speaking of possible buyers, Sigizzle asks, "Is Apple possible? The Monster Factory uh, documentary is out soon.
3: So. Apple is extremely unlikely. I think Apple, as a brand, d- doesn't want to own a wrestling company. I don't think that's a good brand fit for Apple. Um, I think Apple." Obviously is interested in, in live sports rights, MLS, MLB. Maybe they want other stuff too. Um, but I don't think they want wrestling because of the brand association that wrestling has. Um you don't think Apple T V wants the WWE library? No. I think they want um All Japan in the nineties though. That's that's the highbrow brand for them. There's uh more like more probably like more like
5: battle arts. Battle um, arts.
3: UWFI, Rings maybe.
5: Yeah. The um I'm trying to think, like, what 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 are major? I'm sure it's happened. What are like major things that Apple has purchased outright? Purchased, like, have they purchased entertainment brands before? I don't know. Uh, like um, the Charlie
4: Brown stuff, like they bought like the Peanuts library and stuff like that. Yeah, did
5: they for their for their?
3: Uh... They've made a lot of IT acquisitions, uh, according to Wikipedia. Oh,
5: I'm sure. I obviously, but I'm trying to think if they've ever purchased like. Uh... An entertainment brands like uh, something that runs live events um,
3: Shazam the, the the app that tells you what song you're hearing
5: yeah tech, that's a tech right. purchase though I'm, I'm thinking like if Apple has ever purchased like we talked about this with Comcast right there's a like, Comcast like they own the Philadelphia Flyers like the family that owns Comcast owns uh, the Philadelphia Flyers so like that's kind of at least something like Disney owns like touring brands and stuff like that like Disney on Ice but does Apple own anything like um, that would be even remotely comparable to, to WWE from like a, how they would have from business
3: perspective. I'm looking at a list on Wikipedia and, and you know, very few, few all of these companies tech, even yeah. have their own Wikipedia page. It, it looks like all tech assets. Um, right. They're buying tech startups and things like that, that, that pop up. Right. Um, if if I'm predicting what this man is going to do, I think there's going to be no transaction. I think uh, there's going to have to be a TV deal S- there's going to have to be the beginning of a TV deal uh, negotiations happening in like May, and that that's been made pretty clear um, based on think about Nikon's comments on, on the CNBC call where he says I give it you know how 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 long how fast do you think a deal will get done? And he says maybe three months, and that's consistent with other things we've heard about. They're going to start negotiating a deal after WrestleMania, so April May, and. That's consistent with previous rounds of negotiations five years ago and five years before that. Deals were done in the spring around May. Um, so that's what I expect. I expect you could have a deal done in May and then maybe by, you know, once all that stuff's out of the way, then then there's no liability or risk or that maybe it won't scare off potential TV networks that they're making deals with. If Vince comes back before then, so all that's done, maybe he can come back. When I say come back, I mean come back to Creative after then. That would be... Publicly publicly come back to that, Creative. That would, be my, that would be my cynical prediction. Vince back in Creative by the summer, but, you know, who knows? Okay. Um, I think that's that's everything that I wanted to talk about today. Do we have anything else?
4: Uh, well, there's a couple things you had in the have slides th- you wanted touch on real quick
3: there's a all all access is is debuting on on march 29th um basically just just to say this is what roads to the top did in terms of ratings it'll be on at 10 uh, on tbs after dynamite what it rose to the top do it in a demo it did somewhere between a 11 and a point one nine. power slap in the the same time slot has done between a 08 and a point one three. so gotta do in the teens i would think to be considered mm, doing well the reality show compared to power slap. I'd be, how much do you think they paid for power slap? Very little. You think it was, it was, it was a a minor investment. I think there's a great benefit for Dana White and even for UFC to, to, to have that relationship with David Zasloff and WBD, because they got to do their own TV rights deal in like a year or something like that. So why, why, why not do something that, that can improve that relationship that could really pay off for UFC. Meanwhile, Dana White has, I guess this is a separate business from UFC, right? Power slap is. So maybe, yeah, yeah, pay per view or whatever you, it is. I don't know. Did you hear what happened to the Power Slap pay per view event? No, no. It is. It is
5: not going to be. I, my understanding is happening. that it's not going to be available on t- traditional pay per view. Oh, it, it is only available on something called Rumble. Rum- oh, it's something called Rumble? Oh, something called Rumble. You don't know what Rumble is? I'm led to believe it's like an alt right pay per view
3: streaming. It's 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 the, U- it's the YouTube for people who cannot be on YouTube anymore. I think.
4: Okay. Okay. Go, go, go. Have you you been, watch Power Slap? Have you been approached to to be a ring announcer for for Power Slap? Not Power Slap, but I brought this up before. uh, I did get an inquiry, a booking inquiry about uh, an independent slap boxing uh, competition that wanted a ring announcer. So now this is a thing, I guess. And I, I respectively declined. Okay. Um
3: that's all I have for
4: for this. We do one. have a couple more super chats about other yeah, questions. Yeah. Uh asks should Revolution be considered a B pay per view? There's only four
3: tradition I, there's only four key pay per views for AEW. I don't think any of them should be considered a B pay per view. Maybe maybe you build one of them up to be your WrestleMania, but no. I think informally, double or nothing and all in or all
5: out come up, feel like the biggest Yeah. Pay-per-views that they have mainly it's because they're on holiday weekends and they're in the same location and they, ha- so and they
3: both have trip. history in terms of all out aligning with all ins history and double or nothing double or nothing being, the, or nothing first. being the first event um,
5: but uh, I think so I think like Revolution and Full Gear are those kind of like the B pay-per-views um, but that's not really reflected in like Revolution's uh, you know pay-per-view buys I mean I think Revolution last year did quite well and I know the Exploding Ring barbed wire ring match that they had the year before also did a really good number on pay-per-view. So revolution seems to be pretty competitive when it terms of pay-per-view buys revolution did better than double or nothing. The other pay-per-views in
3: 2022 and 2021. It did better than double or nothing on pay-per-view. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So like I, I, yeah, I, I, my mind like double or nothing and all in are all out are like the biggest AW events, but, but from a business
3: perspective, revolution seems to be
5: on par with any of them. I don't
3: think any of these brands have that much, Distinction. No. Yeah. They're just names for pay per views. Right. There's no WrestleMania. There's no Royal Rumble. And then there's, there's like no there's no gimmick no match that's really associated with any of them. I'm sure if Tony was here, he'd be no, telling I mean us about yeah, the Casino I mean, Battle Royal actually is is, yeah. is double or nothing. I don't I don't know though. But they have that all the time. <laughs> that's just the kind of their term okay. of Battle Royals. Okay. Um, the the the, yeah, the Revolution right. the Ladder Match. The face of the Revolution. Come on now.
4: Hmm. Can't forget that. Yeah, it happened yeah. on Dynamite.
3: Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and
5: this before revolution. There's
3: before, so the tradition, I think, the there's, tradition there's, kept going.
5: But do you think there's strengths and weaknesses to like having all pay per views kind of being seen as equal as opposed to the big yes. WrestleMania one? Obviously, the WrestleMania and, and to a lesser extent the Royal Rumble branding has helped WWE, I think, a lot, yeah. um, perception-wise. But does that does that is that perception also? come with the negative in the sense that these other WWE has all these other pay-per-views that
3: people are significantly less in I think it's a net benefit to have one biggest show of the year. That's far bigger mm-hmm. than the others.
5: Yeah. I think, I think WWE goes a little too far when you have like a, like month to month. This is an A pay-per-view. This is a B pay-per-view. This is a, a pay-per-view. This is a B pay-per-view. Um, I think AEW, because it doesn't have that, that kind of uh, historical, historical, backing behind the pay-per-view names it really does seem dependent on what are the matches heading into each event
4: yeah um we did get a just a uh, super chat uh, a monetary donation there from Wesley White so thank you Wesley for that uh we scroll down here very busy day in the chat so thank you for everybody who was involved uh, the mayor of Painesville, Dan, uh, just said, I am impressed on how deep the research, uh, for this video has been and how level headed you guys work through this somewhat sensitive topic, uh, or at, least some, uh <laughs> or at least for some. Uh, keep on the great work. Uh, let's go, Brandon. But I think he's actually just saying, Brandon, good job. <laughs> Hopefully, not the other term. <laughs> Um, yes. That, that, For, thank you. Have you have you
3: had to, have you had to ban anybody today?
4: I no, ha, I have sure. not had to ban anybody. To, I I must make a clarification. I'm not saying that I liked Vince Russo's booking earlier. I'm just talking about a business run from 1996 to 1999. You said you liked Vince booking. I was booking mentioning earlier? good booking runs, great booking runs. Dusty Rhodes, Kevin Sullivan, Vince Russo. Said, I, I meant it in a business perspective. I.
5: He said he thinks Vince Russo should. come. <laughs> yeah, I do not. I absolutely do not.
4: I am not a Vince Russo stand. I just want to clarify that. Um, MJ does have uh he put in the super chat as soon as we wrapped up the Endeavor talk. Uh, what happens if potential bidders uh, to buy WWE decide to lowball TV rights to drive valuation down to a range they are interested in?
3: Is it as simple as that? I mean, if they're going to – if, let's say, the incumbents give them a low offer, well – We'll see what what other people they'll, they'll, then they'll let it go to the open market and see what others bid and supply and demand will determine the value, I guess.
5: And and what what potential what serious potential bidders are also bidding for TV rights? We can say NBCU. Um, who who else? Box. Amazon is Fox's potential buyer though for WWE of TV rights. Right, but they, they no, also. I don't think they're a real no. That doesn't make sense. To buy WWE, no, no. right? Just so maybe some of the streaming services you could point out to, but it seems it seems like Endeavor and in, in this audience are the most realistic buyers at this point. So, mm-hmm. and they're not; those aren't going to be. I, I think I, it's limited. It seems this would seem to only work if like all of the networks were like kind of working together to kind of um, collude against WWTV rights. Sounds like antitrust um, to me. Um, but it's it, it's and it would seem like outside of NBCU, none of the t- television. Bitter, right? Bidders are yeah. would really be interested in buying WWE. So if NBC wanted to lowball WWE, I'm sure WWE would be happy to to sell Fox.
3: I, I, I guess, like so. theoretically, no sale could happen. They could go to TV rights negotiations, and then Comcast could buy them at that point. But I have, I'm pretty confident Comcast is not going to buy WWE under any circumstance in the foreseeable future. Okay. okay. Uh,
4: anything else? Go. That is it. Uh, thank you all. A lot of super chats yes. today. Thank you. Um, and like I said, we had. Oh, we're gonna
3: do nothing but AEW anxiety <laughs> podcasts from now. We
4: had from like eighty-eight to hundred and five viewers, like throughout the show, pretty much majority of the show.
3: Join us again next week for is AEW dead? <laughs> is AEW going out of business? We're, we're, it might. It might be. We, we have to see what happens with the Revolution. It might be time to uh, to, to read its last rites.
5: What if it does a point two seven next week? I think that that's it, right? That's a wrap.
4: <laughs> well uh, AEW sell. Let's just start making things up at this point.
3: <laughs> um go, go any plugs, go I heard you're a, you're a you have a big deal commentary, job.
4: Uh yeah, so um the uh the infamous these, uh, you know, they're they're known for the independent wrestling and territories and all that. They uh have an extensive wrestling library and uh, they've enlisted my services to do commentary on some stuff that's got some lost audio, so uh, some IW Puerto Rico stuff, some ICCW stuff, of course. Uh, Going to work on some USWA Dallas stuff that apparently they own. Uh, so, no, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to uh, calling some footage uh, that was from 2530. How will, people, how will this be dis- distributed? Um, how would they have high spots, and I, I'm i not 100% sure if this high is spots. the stuff they will put on Pluto TV, because they usually put stuff on Pluto mm-hmm. TV, as far as the classic wrestling blocks that you'll see. I'm, I'm,
3: so have you recorded this yet?
4: I, I put them on social media. I'm actually looking forward to it. You know, I mean, There's a lot of stories about the Cebaldes and all that, but I, I'm, I'm looking so forward to it. So not yet this. recorded? Oh, not recorded. No, Not no, yet recorded. No, I've not recorded okay. yet. No.
5: So you're going to be calling, like, old Carlos Colon
4: matches? Uh, so I would be Puerto Rico. So, like, I did get the list, and there's, okay. like, uh, some matches um, with, like, uh, Glamour Boy Shane and Bison Smith and Carlitos and... Uh, a blitz Oh, okay and, so
5: like more like yes yeah, it's a lot of early two
4: thousand stuff uh the first match i'm calling is uh, i think from 1993 hacksaw jim duggan versus uh Bub- uh bubba ray dudley before he was bubba Ray Dudley. so that should be in 1993 yeah i'm assuming that's the year on this because i'm just trying i haven't lifted the, the the year yet but i'm assuming that's when they would both be in the same ring together so okay so yeah so
3: any, any plugs jesse would you have
5: more
4: no no it wasn't
5: uh sure yeah the Sure, the um, you can listen to me on the Gentlemen's Wrestling podcast. Um, we recently joined the the Voices of Wrestling Network, um, so now we're you know the podcast is available pretty much anywhere you can get your podcast from Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It's, Of course, always been available on YouTube and remains so. I uh, had an episode that we recorded on Friday. I was joined by yeah. Maura yeah. Johnston, who's a professional. A music journalist and also professor of journalism at Boston College. And we talked a lot about pro wrestling and how it fits into pop culture in 2023, and some of the trends we see in in pop culture and celebrity status, uh, and how it relates to the professional wrestling industry. And we talk a lot about like star power and the differences in in, in how someone can be a major star today versus being a major star in the 90s and. It was, I think it's gotten great reviews. It's got a lot of interesting, uh, highbrow conversations, intellectuals only if, if you're not interested in that, you shouldn't listen
3: to it. Well, this is, this is the perfect crossover promotion then, right?
5: It really is like the highbrow listenership of WrestleMomics would probably be fascinated yes. in the, the discussions that, uh, two professional intellectuals like myself and the academic Maura Johnson discuss about the pro wrestling industry.
3: Okay. That's it. Thanks for, thanks for all your super chats today. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next next Sunday at 11, and we'll be back in audio for subscribers on Thursday night uh, with Golo for the Thursday 30. See you then.